You're listening to Now I've Heard Everything, interviews from the 80s, 90s, and 2000s with voices from the past. I think it's just about taking really good ingredients and enhancing them. That's really what cooking is for me. It's not about so much about the art of layering flavors and, and trying new things. Barefoot Contessa host Ina Garten. Today on Now I've Heard Everything, I'm Bill Thompson. Do you ever watch the Food Network? If you do, I do not have to tell you who Ina Garten is. But long before she became the most popular host on the Food Network, she actually worked in the White House in the Office of Management and Budget in the 1970s. That is, until she was offered the opportunity in 1978 to purchase a small specialty food store in the Hamptons. She kept the name Barefoot Contessa, but grew that business very successfully. By the time I met her in 1999... She had finally been persuaded to write the cookbook that people have been after her for years to write, and it turned out to be far, far more successful than even she or her publisher had hoped for. And three years after the interview you're about to hear, Ina Garten joined the Food Network, where her show was a fan favorite for nearly 20 years. So here now, from the spring of 1999, Ina Garten. I gather this is a book people have been after you for a long time to write. I, for 20 years, and I kept saying, no, 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 I'm too busy, I don't have time to do this. <laughs> and f- some, somehow I seem to have acquiesced, and it's turned out to be the most interesting thing I've done in a long time. Good it's heavens. been great. How do you find time to do something like this? Because well, you must be busy. <laughs> really busy. The store is incredibly busy. Um, I've made two people who work for me partners, and uh, that allowed me really time to, to sort of back off a little bit and be do some creative things. How did you decide so, what kind kind of book this was going to be? Well, everybody wanted it to be the bear, you know, the best and the greatest from Barefoot Contessa, so that's really what it is. Um, but it also, as I worked on it, it, it developed into something else, which is what I do about entertaining. Um, I don't know if you know this, I used to live in Washington, mm-hmm. and uh, when I was here, what I did for entertainment is I'd make dinner parties, which is what I like to do. And it would take me a week to do dinner for six people. I'd come home every night and I'd cook and I'd cook and I'd cook. And on Sunday, I had to lie on the sofa. It was so exhausted. And so what I realized after 20 years as a caterer in the Hamptons is I knew how to put together dinner for 10 people in a few hours. And so it's not only about the best recipes from the store, but it's also why they're so easy to do and why you can make really simple food and, and that has a lot of style and uh, and do it really easily for yourself. I've been reading the, the reader comments on Amazon.com because we were talking about just the, the computer yeah. a few minutes ago. Yeah. And people are saying, wow, I mean, the, these recipes are so simple. Yeah, and and they can, and they're also not unusual ingredients. Mm. They're really simple ingredients. One of the things about especially food stores, I realized I couldn't have the chef make recipes from Julia Child's The Art of French Cooking. I had to really come up with recipes that were simple. Otherwise, it would be a $1,000 leg of lamb <laughs> and I, a $10,000 potato gratin. Well, I, hate, I hate these cookbooks that the recipe includes about six of the ingredients are an eighth of a teaspoon of some bizarre spice right, that you can only right. find in the town 50 miles away, and and it only comes in the two-pound can, and you only need an eighth of a teaspoon for the recipe. Drives me crazy. And my favorite recipes are the really simple ones, corn salad with basil, that you can get at a farm stand. When it's in season, you can get it anywhere. You can buy it in the Safeway. Uh, You can buy it in the A&P, or you can, you know, get it at a farm stand. Now, how much do you presume people already know about just cooking in general? I mean, do do, do they know how to boil water, that kind of thing? Um, I presume people have a a very simple knowledge, but actually in the beginning of the book, there's um, a diagram of 
what small dice, what large dice, what Julianne is. Um, because all of us wonder, is it right? Is it big enough? Is it small mm-hmm. enough? I mean, I've been cooking for 20 years, and I still, when I have a chicken in the oven, I'm saying, is it done? Is it not done? Is it salted enough? Is it not? So there are all those questions when you're when you're working with a cookbook. So I, I try to keep it as absolutely as simple as possible. See, that's because it's as much art as science, isn't it? <laughs> it's Well, I think it's just about taking really good ingredients and enhancing them. That's really what cooking is for me. It's not about, so much about the art of layering flavors and, and trying new things. It's really about, um, in, in every area, and particularly in East, I mean, certainly in East Hampton, too, there, there are really great resources. There, I mean, we have a great Italian store that makes their own sausage. We have a great chicken farm where there's great chicken, there's tomatoes and corn in the summer. And I try and encourage people to look at those resources in their area and use those and make you know a wonderful tomato salad which you've sliced up and put you know coarse salt and good olive oil to me is as good as making some fancy um uh salad that you've spent hours making and in the end your friends have just as much fun and you get to be a guest at the party which is to me really important there you go (coughs) the other thing that used to drive me crazy I, i do a lot of cooking but the other thing that used to drive me crazy is I would remember the, those recipes that my mom used to make. So I'd go dust off the old cookbook. Oh, yeah. And, I'd be and very, how did they turn out? Well, it'd be very. I didn't dare attempt them because most of them said ingredient number one: half a cup of lard. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, that, it's very disappointing when you when you figure out that something that you've loved to eat all these years starts out with half a cup of lard. Yeah. Well, one of the things I love to do, and actually this book does this, is take a recipe like that mm-hmm. that used to be wonderful and familiar and flavorful, um, and you you go back and make it, and actually it is made with a half a cup of lard, and actually it's not quite as flavorful as you remembered mm. is sometimes what my experience is and then I like to just like bump it up make it healthier make it have more flavor um, like one of the recipes I have is a lobster pot pie mm. which is um, you know an old chicken pot pie but it's got better ingredients in it and it's and it, the flavor is really wonderful and you've got a meatloaf and meatloaf, exactly, that's exactly right, is to take meatloaf and make it with fresh turkey. And mm-hmm. turkey tends to be a little dry, so you bring it more flavor and more, more um, make it so that it's moister. And it's, uh, I mean, that's a recipe that if we ever don't have in the store, there'd be a <laughs> mutiny. People would go crazy. And it's so easy to make. It's as easy as a meatloaf, except it's better for you and has more flavor. Well, the reason turkey is dry is because it doesn't isn't filled with fat, fat the way hamburgers. That's exactly right. <laughs> so we add back things that have uh, moisture and flavor, but don't have fat. Wow. So, yeah. I mean, this is the thing that, again, is, seems to be amazing the readers on, on Amazon is that not only are the recipes simple, they taste good. Yeah. They taste the way you made them when they make them. Yeah. You know, Isn't that, that wonderful? That's the most gratifying thing to me. Because that's yeah. the other thing, too, that drives me crazy is even if somebody gives me the recipe and I make it and it doesn't turn out the way that it did when they made it, I think, well, what did I do wrong? And it doesn't look like the picture. <laughs> <laughs> One of the things about this book, and I think it's really, I, when I'm looking at cookbooks, I look for cookbooks from specialty food stores, from restaurants, from places where the recipes are made over and over and over Mm -hmm. again. It's not a one-shot deal where, oh my God, it came out okay this time. But I know that I've given this recipe to cooks, to bakers, um, you know, over 20 years for a many, many, many times, and it comes out exactly the same every time. So it's not a matter of um, the original recipe works. 
Then what I really encourage people to do is bring your own flavor to it. Do you, um, if you like cilantro, add cilantro to it. Um, I like mustard and garlic, so I use those. But bring, you know, take a basic recipe that's easy to make, and then just add your own things to it. And you can end up with, you know, four different kinds of roast chicken. And um, one with fennel, one's with carrots and potatoes. One, I mean, you can do something wild with um, putting uh, goat cheese under the skin of the chicken. But you've got a basic recipe that you're really comfortable with, mm-hmm. and then you end, with, end up with lots of different dishes. All right. I need to ask you to reveal something. Oh, uh-oh, my secrets. What, what is the secret to a really good crab cake? Oh, the secret of... Oh, well, first of all, great ingredients. Are you disappointed that was the secret I was uh, going to ask? <laughs> no, no, that's... The secret is that it has to be incredibly moist. The batter has to be really moist when you start, and then you refrigerate it so that it firms up a little bit, and then you can roll them out. And ours are actually very moist. It's a little hard to handle, but in the end, you end up with something that's just delicious. Certainly, some of the restaurants I've been to, they know how to make them. Other restaurants, it's yeah, they like just, they've... Defrosted something that came from ooh, Mrs. Paul's, you know, ooh, just, you know, yeah. which I'm sorry to say may have happened, <laughs> <laughs> but they're actually not that hard to make. After this short break, Ina Garten explains why some advice you may get from time to time about cooking is just all wrong. Um, and you can make the. Now back to my 1999 interview with Barefoot Contessa Ina Garten. Well, the other thing about the book that's really important to me is. In order to be able to spend time with your friends at a party, everything has to be done before. Everything. So that um, that's exactly the, um, the crab cakes. You can make the batter the day before. Put it in the refrigerator. Saute them up maybe an hour before your friends get there. And just keep them warm in the oven. Hmm. Um, what I think you'll see with, uh, say, our cheddar dill scones, mm-hmm. you can, which are wonderful. You can make the dough before. You can cut them out, put them in the refrigerator a day before, and then just bake them off before people get there so that I'm not in the kitchen when my friends are having fun in the in the um, living room. I feel like Cinderella. <laughs> I just want to be in the living room having fun. What about me? I want to have fun. So I always try and do every, and most of the things in the book are that way. I'd say 99% of them is everything can be done beforehand. Well, but then again, the best part about it is these are not just recipes for entertaining either. That's right. This yeah, is for exactly. uh, Wednesday night in front of the TV uh, exactly. kind, of, kind of meals. Well, because they're easy enough to do that. There's one recipe in the store, if you've seen, that's three ingredients, no cooking at all. And that's my favorite kind of cooking. It's um, sugar snap peas with sesame. Mm-hmm. And it's just three great ingredients to throw them together. Don't even blanch the su- sugar snap peas. They're raw. Um, so that's... Oh, that's that, and that's another thing too, because who's who has time? You have to get you know get home from work at seven o'clock. We all have busy lives. We don't have time for this. Even I, if you like to cook, you don't have time. I can tell. You, the other day, I had an author in here. We were talking about how busy all our lives are and things yeah. like this. And she said, you know, it was, it was a financial planning book. How you could cut down on restaurant your restaurant meals by simply. She said on a Saturday, she said just cook all the meals that you need for that week. Put them in little Tupperware containers, you know, and just put them in the refrigerator. I'm thinking, who has time so on, on Saturday. a Saturday? We're working ten, on Saturday. To spend ten running. hours cooking the day the week's I know, meals i know that's exactly right and and who wants to the truth is who wants to there's actually a section in the back of the book which is one of my if i sometimes ask people are they cooks when they're talking about the book and they say no i'm not a cook and i say that i have the perfect section for you it's called assembling it's no cooking at all it's um all different kinds of things that you can do for appetizers for salads for desserts that require no cooking i actually like to take if I'm doing a full meal for friends, I like to take one thing that I cook and everything else is assembled. So um, for a dessert, I might do 
go to a wonderful bakery and get a slice of pound cake, fresh strawberries, a little bit of honey vanilla creme fraiche. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's no cooking. You're not going, is it done? Is it not done? Is it seasoned? You know it's wonderful and it's no stress. And, and pe- it's done before people get there. And people think, what a wonderful cook you are. I know. Isn't it wonderful? <laughs> <laughs> and I get all the credit. <laughs> uh, do people expect more from you when they come to your house than they would expect from me when they come to mine? Well, the truth is what I like to do, because people, I think it's true they do. And uh, there was a time when my husband was an investment banker, and I'm sure people thought I was going to make veal with morels for dinner. And I used to do just <laughs> the opposite, is they would be a little sort of more starched and you know a little more formal. And I would make like a clam bake. There's actually a recipe in the book for a kitchen clam bake that you make in a huge pot. It's really easy. Everything's just layered. And you dump it on the, in, in a big bowl in the middle of the table. And they would have to take off their jackets and I'd give them chef's aprons. And they would roll up their sleeves and take off their ties. And they had a ball. And, you know, we'd have margaritas and everybody would have so much fun. But it was all hands-on food. And it's family style. And it's really, it's comfort, comfort food. It's really, it's fun. It sets the stage for having a party that's really fun. It's and that to me is what it's all about. Is it is it outdoorish as well? I mean, it could be outdoors. Memorial it could be Day indoors. weekend is coming. Yeah, up. it's great. I actually, um, I remember last uh, July Fourth weekend, I um, had. Um, some friends over and we had hot dogs and hamburgers and Martha Stewart called up and said what are you doing and I said we're having hot dogs do you want to come over she said yes <laughs> and we had for dessert I made ice cream sodas which everybody I put out on the table um, ice cream and club soda and chocolate syrup and I made some fresh strawberry syrup and everybody made their own ice cream sodas and we had a ball and I thought I didn't even have to cook dessert <laughs> it was done and, and you, you have maybe single handedly shattered this impression that we have that if we're entertaining in any form that it has to be fancy schmancy that it has to be we have to spend the hours and hours cooking in the kitchen slaving over the hot stove making everything just right the the souffle is rising that's not what you have to do you have to spend time with your friends that really is what shows them that you love them it's being with them. And, uh, and I think it makes a better party. I think it's really, it's more fun for me. It's more fun for my friends. And it's really the most interesting thing I've learned about being in the food business for 20 years, that it cha- totally changed how I entertain. What do you recommend from your book for a nice, quiet, romantic dinner for two? Mm, oh, I have the perfect thing. Um, there's a recipe in there. It is literally five minutes from start to finish. It's um, lemon cappellini with caviar. And it's um, you, you just mix lemon juice and a little bit of butter, and you cook the cappellini and put it on a um, – season a little bit, put it on a plate with a big dollop of good caviar on the top, and it's – Wonderful. Oh, we'll get you in the mood, as they say. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect romantic dinner. I, I guess you have to plan very carefully what the occasion is as to what you're going to... Because that would be not as appropriate for a casual Sunday afternoon. Well, I've actually done well, it for you, dinner. It's wonderful. Yeah, yeah, um, you and, could. you know, there are times when I don't... And, and this is in the category of, of taking a recipe and changing it to make it work mm-hmm. for you. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, last week I made it for a friend on a Wednesday evening. And instead of making caviar, which I thought was a little inappropriate <laughs> on Wednesday night, I made some sautéed shrimp. And it was, um, I just bought a, you know, a handful of saute, uh, fresh shrimp, just sautéed it in butter and garlic, and put it on the capellini with lemon. And that was 10 minutes, and it was done. And, and so I made it work for me in terms of what I wanted to do. And coming back to what you said at the outset about using what you have at hand, and using, using, using what's exactly. fresh. Exactly. Exactly. Now, does, that, does that mean I have to do my grocery shopping every day? No, it doesn't, actually. It's, um, there, are, um, there are lots of recipes in there where you can cook, you know, shop two or three days before and, and then cook everything, get everything ready. 
the day before and then just assemble it before guests arrive. And that's where the science, as opposed to the art, comes in. That's about just <laughs> thinking about it. It's, to me, it's about thinking about what can I do to make this more fun. And, and I really think of it the way a, a movie producer does a, a, you know, does a storyboard for a show, for a movie, is every step of the way. When people arrive, what can I do that's more fun? Well, I can put everything out on a table so I'm not running back and forth to the kitchen to get drinks and glasses and everything else. Um, and, and then I'm in the living room with my friends, and then I can really have a good party. Plus, it's got to be much more fun than a budget analysis. Much more fun. <laughs> <laughs> much more fun than nuclear energy policy. <laughs> I didn't even look in the rearview mirror when I, when I went to Barefoot Contessa. <laughs> Ina Garten is 75 now, but is still cooking, entertaining, and writing cookbooks. And you can find easy Amazon links to many of those cookbooks at our website, HeardEverything.com. And that is also where you'll find my 1993 interview with the French chef herself, Julia Child. They're just afraid of food. A healthy person has a little bit of everything. The idea is moderation in all things. But I think the media has just scared us. They've taken the fun out of food. And my 1991 conversation with someone else who took cooking and entertaining to a whole new successful business level, Martha Stewart. It's like cooking was 20 years ago, and we all had to have our cuisine art. We had to have our KitchenAids. We had to have all the fancy whisks and copper bowls. That's what gardening is becoming now. It's becoming kind of an art form. And, of course, we post new episodes here every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And you can find us on all major podcast platforms. Thanks so much for listening. Next time on Now I've Heard Everything, it's baseball's opening day this week, so we'll revisit my 1988 interview with a colorful ball player who became a very successful television host, Joe Garagiola. I've been on ball clubs where we didn't set any records, but I was on the Pittsburgh club. We lost 112 games out of 154, so uh, I kind of placed myself an expert on slumps. That's next time on Now I've Heard Everything. I'm Bill Thompson. <laughs>